getting better at that now. So the recording is in progress in case you didn't hear that. (laughs) Yes, the recording is in progress. Hi. Hello. How are you? I am doing very, very good. I had a good dinner, so I'm happy Mm -hmm. about that. My plants are thriving. Happy about that. Mm. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm in my comfy clothes. But I'm talking about anti-racism, so I'm I know, space. Right? Yeah, I'm in my I'm in my comfy pants too. Yay! Get to talk about anti-racism while being in comfy in comfort. Yes. Ah, it's better to talk about anti-racism. Eh, anti-racism. I feel like while in comfort versus like not in comfort. Like, do you remember? It was like second day of orientation when we had to do our anti-racism training and we were all still kind of like, oh, we're new to this school. Is it still business casual? (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, the first day you definitely have to do business casual. Like no questions asked for that second one. Like, and then it was really long, wasn't it? It was. It was like eight hours and it was like. And we had to do like exercises where we had to like get up and move. And I was like, I am in a dress and heels. No, that was not for eight hours. Yeah. Oh, not acceptable. No, no. no. Mm -hmm. When did you give up on the formal dress or on the business casual dress? I gave up week two. I. With the program? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I feel very early. Maybe that second day. <laughs> and then I didn't get in trouble, so I kept doing it. It was so weird because we all, like, went in there thinking, oh, this is going to be so formal and whatever. And mm-hmm. and by, like, week, week two and a half, we were all chilling in the lounge in the library, like, feet up on the table, just being like... <laughs> Yeah, my life's garbage already. Yeah. yeah, questioning all my life decisions, and it's just the second week. I know, right? Uh, oh, no, I think you froze. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, so that was a weird pause. Very but- weird pause. Didn't we already discuss about how, like, the whole business casual and all of that was a racist construct as well? Did we? I don't... Have we talked about that? I don't remember talking about dress. Like, how... um, I know we've talked about the Crown Act, Mm -hmm. um, about deeming what hairstyles are appropriate and inappropriate, and that being a racist policy. Um, But... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember talking about racist, but we have talked about business settings. So it is possible. I'm just not remembering. Yeah, it is possible. I don't know. Well, we can talk about success and racism now. Wahoo. Yes, we can. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This chapter, once again, did not go anywhere near what I thought it was going to be. No. And it was extra disappointing because we read about failure last week. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just going to be the opposite of last week. Nope. And I thought I knew for sure that that's what it was going to be. 
and I feel somehow worse. (laughs) (laughs) I also wanted to acknowledge that today and tomorrow are the 100th anniversaries of the Tulsa uh, massacre. Um, So remembering that, I've been seeing a lot of posts on Instagram and we were in Tulsa not too long ago. Yeah. Oh, wait, that was almost a year ago. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, we're like three months shy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay then. Uh. So, yeah, I I had known that there was a Black Wall Street, but I didn't know like where it had been. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was in Tulsa and that we were there less than a year ago. Kind of makes me wonder, like, want to see if there's, like, a memorial or anything up there. There is a memorial. I've been there. It is breathtaking. It's really nice. Oh, wait. Did we walk? We didn't walk by that whenever we were there, though. No, I've been there before. Oh. And while I was there doing all the touristy things, I saw the memorial. Yeah, it's really nice. That's good. I didn't know that you had been to Tulsa before. Yeah. And you were willing to go back for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) My adoption agency is in Tulsa, so I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about Tulsa, Oklahoma as a location. Definitely. It's an interesting location for a headquarters. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy that people are taking these two days to really think and reflect um and remember um everything that was lost in that time and the fact that it was only a hundred years ago too yeah like there are still people alive that were alive at that time yeah i remember reading an article i think no it was a different situation Mm. totally discard it was um i believe a massacre But it was like about 100 years ago. And I remember reading an article because there were survivors who went to the Senate, I think, Mm -hmm. to stand in solidarity with a bill that's being passed and just hearing their story. was Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like storytelling and bearing witness to things like that. Like also it reminds me of that um neighborhood that was demolished that was mostly black and brown homeowners um it was a neighborhood where central park now stands and there is a plaque in uh in memory of that neighborhood too and it just a i never heard or read about this history until later in life and b it just makes me so sad and angry that whenever there can be like black and brown joy and success and all of these thriving communities, it somehow is always not always, but a lot of the times it is um, destroyed out of just white rage. Yeah. That's why I think is very interesting in this anti-racist space because like you said, you have these communities, I mean, throughout history where black and brown people are doing their own things and they're surviving and they're thriving and it's great. And then white people take it upon 
racist white people take it upon themselves to destroy it because they can't stand to see black and brown people thriving and succeeding in a system that already is so tilted against them. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it definitely like, if it doesn't enrage you, uh, what, what wouldn't enrage you at this point? Like, it's just so frustrating and so just grief inducing to see that history repeat itself over and over again. And to segue into like what Kendi talks about in um, racist policies, whenever Kendi's referring to the racist policies, how they kind of like, they're a way of being complicit. The racist policies make, make people complicit in these things. Like he also brought up the Birmingham bombings, which did kill four little um, black girls. But he also taled about how racist policies and racist medical practices um, allowed for 500 black babies to die because of lack of resources, healthcare, medicine, food. Yeah. And so it's like, where can anti-racist actions and policies actually succeed whenever it, it feels like there's these overt acts of racism happening, which are being allowed as well as the covert ones, which Kendi also talks about. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting that he brought that up because it just brought up the different levels of tolerance. Like if it's a racist person doing something, then there's so much backlash and there's so much outrage and there's protests. But when it's systematic, then sometimes we're not even aware And if we are, then there's not as much because, I mean, one reason I'm assuming is because we think that's how it is. That's how it's always going to be. That's how it always has been. Like, there's nothing we can really do about that. Yeah. Like, whenever we think about, like, racist housing policies nowadays, uh, gerrymandering, um, the bills that were just passed in Georgia, like the voting laws, it's it's so hard to imagine that there can be something else, which is exactly what Kendi was talking about when he said that it was in his head that racism is basically like if the constitution was the skeleton and backbone of America, racism was like the spleen or the muscles or part of it, you know? Yeah. An integral part of it. Yeah. Which it sometimes feels that way. I mean, I totally empathize when he asked that question to the speaker. It's like, when you do you really think it's like a symptom or do you think it's the organ and America can't function without racism? It's an integral part of like our history, of our current. It seems our future will also have a lot of racism in it. But that that feels more out of hopelessness. Yeah, like there are things that we can do. There are things that can be done. Of course, it's going to take time, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, if we look at the progress that is being made, like we are, like you and I as women of color are able to enjoy like privileges and freedoms that our ancestors did not 
get to and like even as recent as our grandparents yeah um today also it was announced that um i don't know if this is a racist policy per se but like uh, it's definitely a controlling policy. China announced that they are lifting the one-child policy um, again. So it was lifted in 2016 to where couples could have two children. Now they are allowed to have three. Wow. So, like, that's an example of children being born this year that will experience privileges that I didn't even have whenever we were born. Yeah. So like policies do change and it does take time, but at the same time, it's been pretty fast paced, I would say, going from like um, my parents' generation, which are baby boomers, um, and black people couldn't even vote to where we are now. Yeah. It just made me think about when you said privileges that are like, predecessors didn't have so two things first it made me think of i my ancestors wildest dream Mm -hmm. like that shirt that i see that i love because it's so powerful and so true i mean Mm -hmm. like like you said the privileges we have the opportunities we've taken like just weren't like ancestors fault for that right for us to be able to do what we do and then also i thought about asia wilson who is a WNBA player (laughs) And she has a statue outside of her alma mater, USC, South Carolina. And um, in her speech, like when they unveiled the statue, she was talking about her grandmother couldn't even walk on campus as like a young professional. And yet here she is with a statue at the same school. And like, I do think that thinking about all of the negative things happening right now and like we do have a very very long way to go but also like being able to just sit back and acknowledge how far we have come is very significant in and of itself (sighs) and that I think that's what Kendi was trying to get at whenever he was talking about success Mm -hmm. in some of at some point of it I mean, he also talked a lot about other other opposite of success, not necessarily failure, but not necessarily success either. Yeah, I really don't get why this was titled success. <laughs> Me neither. There was not a pointing where he was like, this was a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, it just... It just kept going even further into like semantics almost of like what constitutes a success, I guess. With no example of a success. No, absolutely not. And I was just like, (laughs) Kendi, what are you doing to me? This makes me feel bad. (laughs) Again. This was supposed to be a more positive chapter again. Again, oh my goodness. Yeah, I can't tie anything back to why this was titled success. So if y'all are reading along with us and you have (laughs) other ideas, please feel free to DM or leave it in the comments. Please, yeah, I would love some more insight. 
Did anything stand out to you? But definitely nothing about success. Uh, what also stood out to me was the murder of Trayvon Martin in 2012. I remember that very distinctly because we were in high school gearing up, getting ready to go to college. Trayvon Martin should be our age. Mm-hmm. So that hitting extremely close in terms of that like he should be alive today and he's our age and we're talking about him right now and he's in this book um same with Brianna Taylor she's also our age like for things for these murders to have happened um and like kind of feeling that like that feeling of mortality that we have like especially whenever you're in your teens 20s you're supposed to be thinking oh i'm gonna live forever this is great Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to be worrying about am i going to get shot randomly walking home with a bag of skittles or am i going to be shot in my sleep Mm -hmm. so definitely remembering trayvon yeah i didn't know as many details that he put into it. I knew that Zimmerman followed him and the cops told him to lay off, but he was like extremely detail oriented Mm -hmm. when he told about Trayvon Martin, talked about him and then went to another part of the story and they came back to Trayvon. Yeah. It's always really heartbreaking to hear about Trayvon Martin for sure. And Mm -hmm. like add on the fact that Zimmerman walked free through our justice department. Yeah. Like, we literally talked about this last week. It's there's literally just a parallel, almost two different, two different systems here. So, and like, it's the same system that imprisons black and brown bodies um, with a stupid amount of time for having, um, for having weed on them or for like um, petty theft or petty crimes, they get way harsher punishments than a guy that literally murdered a child. Yeah. And had it been the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would, it would not be the same. No. <sighs> Goodness. Yeah, this chapter just felt very heavy to me, especially whenever Kendi was talking about his colleague and friend's partner who had, um, whose place he had taken at was it wasn't Temple University. What was it? Where he was getting his PhD? Uh, he did get his PhD at Temple. Oh yeah, that internship like program. Oh yeah, yeah. Where was that? When he was talking about, uh, I think two eighteen is what you're looking for. The yeah, Carrie Sorry. Dad's, Carrie Dad's um, husband, um, had, uh, had died from cancer, mm-hmm. and that also mm-hmm. just makes me like. It just kind of makes me really sad and really thinking about like people doing, doing hard work, doing the good work. Like, why does, 
that seemed to happen, you know, just kind of a greater why them, why, uh, why the universe or why just, I don't know. That just made me sad to think that Carrie Dodd's husband was doing such amazing work and it was cut short. Yeah. His life was cut short. It, your point just now reminded me of like what brings people to this work, like social work, anti-racist mm-hmm. work. I remember we had a guest in my college social work class and she was, I can't remember what she was doing at the time, but definitely in her free time doing a lot of social justice stuff. And she was talking about the fact that a lot of people were brought to this work because of past trauma or like personal mm-hmm. involvement. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Usually there's a personal connection there. Yeah. And like as traumatizing as this work can be, like I feel like people are still drawn to it thinking about like, okay, this work is still bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Like knowing, like I said, the successes of um, the generations before us um, and hopefully our successes will lead to future generations being able to enjoy privileges that we don't even have. That's what I hear a lot of in interviews just about people who are fighting. They say, okay, we might not see this. We probably won't see this in our lifetime, but we're hoping that there's a brighter future for our future, for the kids, because they deserve it. Yeah. It makes me wonder like what, like those really like, just incredible figures throughout history, like um, like Rosa Parks thought about today, because she just died recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have uh, Martin Luther King's daughter. Mm-hmm. She he's uh, she's still out and about tweeting. I follow her on Twitter. She's got an active Twitter. She does, and it's awesome. So just like knowing that those people's legacies are still very much alive and active. And it just kind of makes me wonder, like, by the time, like, by the time we're all old, what, like, what will we be fighting for then? Hopefully we'll have police reform or a completely new system, in my opinion. Uh, What would we hopefully like we'd be able to teach our children about racism at an earlier age, have a more just and equitable society. It probably depends on what family you grow up in, but I talk to my cousins a lot more about race than my older cousins talk to me about. And then I see my cousins who have younger kids, like buying books about race Um, and then like sharing it with them and having discussions. I don't know what's happening in schools. I imagine there are more conversations about race. Mm -hmm. So definitely you can already see a little change. Yeah. And it's just like one day at a time, one step at a time. I'm just, I'm interesting. I'm interested and curious to see what will happen by the time we are old. Like I said, sit on the porch (laughs) and listen to the kids of that time talk and the youth yeah (laughs) apparently we're already technically old 
according to the Gen Zers. Have you heard the new the new term? I think it's called a chug or a chug. It means old. It means lame. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That is Um, not a nice term. (laughs) One of my friends, one of my friends that's a writer texted me um, and said that she wrote an article about it. And I was like, I've never heard of this word in my life. Mm Mm-mm. No, I, there's so much vocabulary. Like my cousin, one specifically the one who's 14, she'll start saying words I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so you're right. We are old. <laughs> I don't know slang anymore. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully by the time we are older, like people will already have an anti-racist mindset and be do- doing the work from a younger age so that it's more of like a I don't know it's yeah. just a better world yeah it's more intuitive I think Cindy yeah. talked about in like the last page the list of things he's accepted yeah yeah I that I accept I accept their source my upbringing inside a nation making us racist which I thought was really interesting because I never thought about it in terms of like a nation grooming racist people mm-hmm. just naturally but it goes along with I mean what he said even about how his parents didn't raise him to be feminist but that mm-hmm. lack of raising made him sexist yeah or the same thing about being homophobic yeah exactly the status quo and the lack of a conversation led to enormously of racism yeah I think what Kendi said in the um in the last two pages mm-hmm. Um, should definitely be put on a t-shirt um the i stopped using i'm not a racist or i can't be a racist defensive denial i admit the definition of a racist someone who is supporting racist policies or expressing racist ideas i confess the racist policies i support and the racist ideas i express i accept their source my upbringing inside a nation making us racist I acknowledge the definition of an anti-racist, someone who is supporting anti-racist policies or expressing anti-racist ideas. I struggle for anti-racist power and policy in my spaces. So, like, I I really want that on a t-shirt. Now that you mention it, I also want a t-shirt that says that. And maybe a blanket, too. Ooh. A full-on tapestry. Ooh. Yes. To, yeah. like, put on the wall. Oh we my goodness. That. Yeah. Yeah. Kendi needs to be selling merch for sure. Um, I can't wait until his um podcast comes out and see. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, yeah. What have a podcast? <laughs> yeah. I got an email saying that our podcast was um the 175th top racist or not racist, top book podcast in Germany. Oh, snap. Yeah, we're ranked now, y'all. <laughs> in Germany. Germany. <laughs> Shout out to the peeps. Thank you for listening and making us, what, 178th? 175th. 175th? <laughs> we're doing good, y'all. Everything's great. It is great. 
<laughs> so next week is our final chapter. Is that so? It is. It is. It's chapter wow. 18. So next week is our final chapter where we talk about the topic of survival. Survival. It's like, I think, I hope it's where Kendi talks about where do we go from here. Mm. I hope Kendi gives us a little bit of a roadmap because these last two chapters have basically taken my GPS, thrown it out of a window, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm driving. Um, all of a sudden I'm not even driving a car anymore. I'm steering a helicopter, but it's also a submarine. <laughs> yeah, he's taken the he's taken the direction out. Like before I thought I had an idea, but now I know that I did not have an idea of what to do. Exactly. Um, and then how about next week? We also brainstorm book ideas for our next book. Okay. Sounds great. That would be great. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me again and talking about success, even though we don't really know where that success was. <laughs> it was nowhere in the chapter. So <laughs> definitely help us out if you know. Oh, my goodness. Maybe it was just a stylistic choice by the editor. Mm. Who knows? Maybe. But all righty, then I'll see you next week. Yeah, bye. Bye.